the reason for that is because it's no longer fun anymore. You know, they've just been consumed by the, by the system. If you find what you love to do and you have that passion for it and you want to be the best at it, you can never be satisfied with yesterday. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to episode number 11. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capitol Grill City Center with my guest, Michael Fry, President and CEO of Deepwater Subsea LLC. How, How are, you? are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Except for this heat. It is hot. It's Texas, so. True. So before we go deeper into your current roles, could you please tell our audience of how you began in the industry? Yeah, so I, uh, I spent 10 years in the U.S. Navy working on uh, nuclear submarines. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to a point I was working with torpedoes and cruise missiles, hydraulics, pneumatic systems. And uh, I was at a point in my, my life of either re-enlisting for another six years and making it a career or going and trying to find something different. This was 1998. The industry was kind of getting into that new build cycle that was going on. Right. And uh, there was a job offer from R&B Falcon that they were looking for rig mechanics. And, and funny story, I applied for it. They came, gave us a test. I was like, yeah, this isn't really what we do through discussions and talking about you know life on a submarine. They said, hey, we think you'd be better for, for a subsea role instead of a rig mechanic. Started as a subsea trainee with R&B Falcon and, uh, you know, been in the industry ever since. So it's been a, been a lot of fun. That's really cool. Torpedoes, huh? Yeah, torpedoes, cruise missiles. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. really, that's really cool. So now that we know where you started, can we discuss your journey from that point to up to now? Sure. You know, it's, it, was, it was interesting because the U.S. Navy taught you to be a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. I tell the story all the time that on submarines you have seconds to make decisions because you're already underwater. The ship's already basically sunk. So if there's flooding, if there's a fire, if there's an incident, you didn't have time to wait for somebody else to come help you. You had to be able to react at, at a moment's notice. So when I started offshore, the, the big thing is there really wasn't a training program. You had to basically teach yourself. Mm-hmm. And so using that same methodology from a trainee, I, I moved up through my career to a, a senior subsea, was in charge of a couple of rigs from the subsea department standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into technical field support with uh, Transocean back in about 2006. Spent a couple of years in, in technical field support, moved on up through the corporate, corporate side of the, the organization, got promoted to subsea manager with, a, with another drilling contractor. Uh-huh. And then I started Deepwater Subsea, and that was uh, two and a half years ago. Wow. So it's been really good. So how's that been going? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we uh, we grew 34% last year in, in one of the worst downturns. So wow. we're uh, having a lot of fun um, doing the things that we love to do, things that we have a passion for. And we have an amazing group of group of team members on board, so it really makes life a lot easier. Oh, yeah, the quality of life is yeah. definitely important. So, so what are some of the challenges you went through? That's a good question. Some of the challenges was, you know, when you're when you're not from the industry, and what I mean by that is you weren't born and bred in the oil field. You were, you know, a transplant. I was from up north. Mm-hmm. I was a Navy guy. 
I got thrusted into a position. There was no Google. There was no like, go look it up on the internet. Right. So when I showed up on the rig, you know, what does BOP stand for? And so you're talking about the very basics of what, you know, the day-to-day life is. I had no idea. And so the animosity of me being in the position of a subsea trainee and guys going like, I've worked so hard to get that spot and they just kind of gave it to you. You were the outsider for quite a while. So you really had to work hard to prove yourself and improve that, you know, not that you deserved the position, but you were going to make the most of that opportunity. So it was probably, that was probably one of the biggest challenges and just oil and gas industry really doesn't have quality training. What I mean by that is we teach the basics. We, the industry teach the basics where really we need to be teaching technicians, like really how do you do your job, the behind the scenes of it. And so self being self-taught was really something you had to do each and every day. Like you always had to want to continue to strive to be better than what you were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from on that. And I think that goes any, any part of the industry. It's like that. Correct. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing for me is, you know, in, in 2010, we all know what happened here in the Gulf of Mexico with the yep. Deepwater Horizon. Um, I was in technical field support for Transocean at the time. Um, Deepwater Horizon was one of my rigs that, that I basically cared for from a subsea standpoint. That night when the incident happened, I got a, I got a call asking for, you know, where are the drawings to the control system and, and questions were starting to come in and it was like flags were going off, like what's the matter? And I wasn't getting information. So I sent off a couple emails. I called the rig. Um, naturally, there was no phone call because, you know, the incident was taking place. Right. Sent off another email, and I got a response back from, from an individual and said, hey, you need to get to basically the Park 10 office, which was the North American office for Transocean as quickly as possible. Rolled into the parking lot. We're now talking about 1030 at night. Got to the parking lot. Parking lot's full. And, and so you're immediately you're like, all right, something bad is going on. Well, it's not good when everybody's at work at 1039. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, got up to the emergency response center, full of people, names on the board. So you're starting to look at the names on the board. And it's like, guys, what is going on? And it's like, hey, we have, a, we have an incident on the, on the deep water horizon. And you see the names on the board of unaccounted for, unaccounted for, unaccounted for. And you're seeing the positions and you know that the initial feeds coming in from, from offshore and so you're seeing the rig on fire and you're seeing the positions and you're thinking, you know, if this is what happened, these guys probably didn't make it. My gosh. For the next six weeks, 12 hour shifts, you know, over at over at BP trying to go through the, the intervention and, and basically secure the well. Yeah, it was a very challenging time. And then uh, I ended up having to uh, to testify during the Macondo hearings with the Coast Guard and MMS as the. Transocean subject matter expert for rules and regulations and, and BOP maintenance. So it's, I always say that being a subject matter expert isn't a, a part-time thing. You have to be ready to go all the time. I got a call on a Thursday saying, hey, you need to be in New Orleans on Tuesday to testify. As a matter of fact, you need to be there Saturdays. So we're going to prep you Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then you're going to testify on Tuesday. So if you're not ready to go at that moment, knowing how to do your job, knowing the rules and regulations, you, you can't prepare yourself fast enough for it. Oh, that, that was Homa District. That was in. That right? was in Homa, yeah. Yeah. So the actual hearings went through through New Orleans. The biggest challenge, I mean, obviously the biggest challenge with that is, I mean, I knew six of the 11 guys. I mean, I knew them because I made many trips out to the rig. Guys who had gone through the hearings before me were friends. I watched what happened to them with the questions and, and the angles that, that people were taking. Right. So I was able to kind of prepare myself ahead of time. Like I'd watch almost like a, 
I hate to, to kind of use this analogy, but it's like a, a football coach, like watching the opponent and how they do things and the, the way that they, you know, first down, second down, what are they doing? What are their tendencies? And so I'd watch the videos over and over and over again of, of the testimonies that went before me and wrote down a list of all the possible questions that I thought they could ask. Got the answers to, you know, how would I answer this question? What would I do if? So when it came to be my time, I was a lot more comfortable in that situation. But unfortunately, nothing prepares you for the unknown. Yeah, no, I, I can completely understand that. Um, wow, that's, that's a whole lot to take in. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I'm sorry everybody had to go through that. But Yeah, it's, um, you know, one of the reasons I started Deepwater Subsea was my drive is to ha- never have that happen again. Now, there's a lot of things that happen during Macondo that are just outside of anybody's control. Mm-hmm. But from a compliance, training, competency, development, those are the things that we focus on each and every day is it's teaching guys, hey, look, what you're doing today isn't what's going to get you in trouble. It's when someone looks backwards after six months down the road and says, why didn't you do this, this, and this? And so when it comes to documentation, understanding rules and regulations, like what are you inspecting when you inspect the equipment? The better that we can do it and the more that we can train the kind of the next generation and the current generation, right? the, the better off we're going to be as an industry. And so that's what we focus on every day. Well, and I also believe that regulations are, majority of regulations are in place for a reason. Correct. And it's usually to protect some. Someone, something, something of value, something that's important to us. That's an amazing story. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? That's a good question. I'd say two, uh, two sides of it. One from a, from a personal, professional development side. Never be satisfied with where you're at today. I mean, if what we've seen in the industry is, is people get into positions, they kind of... Become complacent. They get complacent, they get bored. I like to use the term that they've lost their mojo. It's like they've lost that drive, that motivation. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is because it's no longer fun anymore. You know, they've just been consumed by the by the system. If you find what you love to do and you have that passion for it and you want to be the best at it, you can never be satisfied with yesterday. You know, I jokingly say that I have informational OCD. Like if I don't know the answer or where it came from, I will, I will print and research and, you know, probably a thousand times more than I need to, but it's because I never want to forget that piece of information because it's someone asked you a question and they said, Hey, what is this? And you're like, I I don't know. That to me is like a, not a fault, but it's like, I should know because I'm a subject matter expert. Um, Just never be complacent and always understand that the perfect storm can happen. The perfect storm was Macondo in a way but you always have to be prepared for the what if. And if you're not thinking about the what if and, and planning all the way to the end, sooner or later you're going to find a gap where you're going to be vulnerable. Very good. Very good. What would you say b- the book that influenced you the most would be? The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Yeah. Yeah, as funny as it sounds, it being a power book, it's really kind of lessons in leadership and lessons in in power, not only from an organizational standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, it really breaks down. The laws are basically different things that you need to think about in your day to day and your actions and how each piece carries a a bigger, it's another piece to the puzzle. Just real quick, one of the 48 laws of power is plan all the way to the end. And so it talks about if 
you're not looking at all the different possibilities of what could go wrong. Then when it goes wrong and you didn't plan for it, it's really your fault. But if on that journey you think about what if, what if, what if, what if this happens, then as you take on that journey and these things start to take place, you're already prepared for them because you've already thought about it. So The 48 Laws of Power for me is probably my go-to book that sits on my shelf. It's highlighted, it's tabbed, it's, you know, and it's it's not a book that you read, you know, forward to back, cover to cover. I just jump in and grab bits and pieces depending on my Reference. mood for the day, yeah. Good, cool. What would you say your most used business tool is? Most used business tool, my telephone. And the reason I say that is one of the things that we do is is we interact with the industry. So I have a Snapchat account. We have Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, there's an app called Anchor, um, which allows you to basically turn yourself into your own radio station. And so we're constantly putting out information, putting out content, engaging with people. Snapchat, for an example, obviously there's a lot of people who in our industry would be like, oh, I'd never use that. It's a kid's thing. I have one because my daughter has one. Yep. A lot of... Uh, entrepreneurs outside of our industry is using it for more interaction with the customers. I can put out a, a, a snap Wednesday and be like, hey, today's hump day. You know, what's your hustle look like? And guys in the field, land rigs, wherever, guys driving to and from crew change will send me messages like, here's what my day looks like. And so I can just put out those little nuggets of information, motivational quotes, you know, hey, I'm just like you struggling or hustling or what's going on. And so we're building that kind of that tribe, that community of, of industry people who, yeah. who we interact with all the time. So my phone with me goes everywhere I go. I mean, it's, as you can see, it's literally like right next to me all the time because I want to be accessible to people. It's not just, hey, Mike is the CEO, quote unquote, of his own company. Mike is an everyday person just like everybody else. And I want people to know that, hey, you have a question that you're struggling with? Ask me. I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here to do whatever it takes. Even if we're not your customer, I'm here to help you. So my phone is... Very personable. Yeah. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? Most respected competitor? You know, there's really only a handful of us doing what we do when it comes to BOP verification inspections. From a, from a small business standpoint, and I'll, I'll go that route, I would say it's uh, Subsea Solutions. And the reason I say that is... Lloyd's, DNV, ABS, massive organizations. Right. Somebody that started as an entrepreneur and built an organization, um, Stan Bagheer and Subsea Solutions, um, they are probably one of the few companies who I would say are apples to apples as a competitor. You know, training, compliance, all the inspections, they would probably be that one. Nice. What would you say is your most important lesson learned? From an industry standpoint, the lessons I learned during Macondo and the preparation once you send something out there, put something out there in an email or some form of, of via whatever median that somebody can go back and grab it, you need to think about what you've said in the past. We were going through the, the hearings and they said, can you please flip to exhibit 27? It's an email I sent 10 months ago. And it's like, holy smokes. It just doesn't go away. So really think about what you're going to say, what the end user is going to receive it as, what could somebody else look at it as, even though it's just text on a screen you really have to think about the bigger picture with your actions yeah I, I couldn't agree more especially with how social media is it's gotten out of control and not only that unfortunately is is if you look back on the the event 
somebody could say, well, we're not going to let our customer dictate to us what we're going to do. Something very simple. Now, unfortunately, an event takes place and it's like, oh, look, you're not going to follow all this other stuff because you said you don't care. No, that's not what I said. What I said is, you know, this, well, here's your text. So mm. really think about how somebody could use it and, and use it spin it, I guess would be a good way to. Yeesh. So what's your favorite podcast? Can I say mine? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I would say, I, I would actually not even say mine, but. It's a, it's a funny story. So I consume, there's three podcasts I listen to. One is Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk's a big social media guy. I kind of watch I watch what Gary does, and if Gary says, hey, here's a good thing to do from a social media, then if Gary's doing it, I'll do it. I listen to Mark's and, and Patrick's, um, mm-hmm. the, the HSE and the, the This Week in Oil and Gas. Mm-hmm. I listen to yours as well. Thank you. I listen to our Deep Water Subsea podcast because I'm always trying to improve. And as funny as it sounds, it's like I listen to it and go, is the music right? Is the volume right? Is the flow right? So those would be the three that I really listen to. But I, I listen to my own podcast a lot of times just to kind of get that energy of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, you have to really listen to yourself. And, and that's something I've learned having this show is there's always room for improvement. Oh, definitely. Always. Yeah. So awesome. So now I feel it's only appropriate that we announce this week's winner of the $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill. So congratulations to Paul Barth, geospatial analyst at Chevron. Enjoy. For a chance to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Grill, visit www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast every week. Enter your information and listen to next week's show to see if your name is chosen. As always, a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter. If you're not familiar with Bulwark, they are the leader not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing in the world. So after you're done signing up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. And since the Oil & Gas Global Network's calendar is filled with events, I also need to thank our on-the-road sponsors. Lee Hecht Harrison is the world's leading talent development and transition company that helps businesses simplify the transformation of their talent and workforces to accelerate results and reduce risk. They also help individuals build their careers with companies and transition to new opportunities. Visit www.lhh.com for more information. And then we've got Total Land Technologies, and they have the world's most advanced field land management system, the Landman's virtual office. And you can visit their website at www.totalland.com. Check that out. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the show. If people want to reach out to you and get to know more about your company, how, how should they go about doing that? Well, they can definitely check us out on the web at, at deepwatersubsea.com. Also, as I mentioned, you know, we have a Facebook page, you know, there's 59,000 people that, that follow us. We, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, we have a lot of fun, but we give away Yetis. We give away, you know, tickets to sporting events. Well, so I'm going to have to sign up for that. We're, we're constantly out there engaging, but no, really if, if just and and Mark kind of joked with me about it, but it's like, I'm so accessible. Mike at deepwatersubsea.com. If you ever have questions, if you ever want to learn more about what we're doing, that's my direct email and feel free to just email me directly. All right. And I'll make sure to put links to all that stuff in the notes. Awesome. That concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. 
Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.